If you would, please uh, open your Bibles up to, um, we're going to be in Psalm 34 to start, but really if you would open up to James chapter 3. And as you do that, uh, would you please stand with me as we read God's word. Father God, open our eyes to your words for us this morning. Open our ears that, that the, the things that you have to say to us will, uh, will penetrate to our souls. Uh, Lord, we are grateful for the truth in your word, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is, uh, we'll begin with Psalm 34, 12 and 13, and then we'll be going over to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is Psalm 34, 12 through 13. What man is there who desires life and loves many days, that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Now James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring bring forth does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is God's inspired word for us today. Please be seated. This is one of those messages where I feel like I need to um, insert at the very beginning, do what I say and not what I do, okay? Um, it, it's, this, today's message is about the tongue, our words. A, a great deal has been written. Uh, there are some fabulous quotations on the effects and powers of words. Here's one by Curtis Vaughn. It says, it can sway men to violence or it can move them to the noblest of actions, It can instruct the ignorant, encourage the dejected, comfort the sorrowing, and soothe the dying. Or it can crush the human spirit, destroy reputations, spread distrust and hate, and bring nations to the brink of war. There's a Persian saying, a lengthy tongue and an early death. And probably my favorite one, uh, attributed to Abraham Lincoln, better to remain silent and be thought of a fool than to speak and remove all doubts. Okay. 
Uh, that, that one's actually uh, a paraphrase of Proverbs 17, which says that whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Um, so, so this morning we're talking about words and the power of words. Uh, we're looking at three things that the tongue is. Um, and, the, and the first thing is that the tongue is a, a thermometer. Okay, the, the tongue is a thermometer. Our, our words function as a spiritual thermometer, showing us the current condition of our soul. In, in other words, I am what I say. The tongue is the real, unfiltered me. It's a window into our souls, or as, as John MacArthur has put it, uh, the tongue tells on the heart. Okay, you have a part of you that is telling on your heart. Uh, a little bit over in James chapter 1, if you turn the page there, uh, James chapter 1, verse 26, it says that if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So, if we think that we are religious and yet we cannot control our tongue, we are deceived and our religion is worthless. John Calvin wrote about this. He said, A man will steer clear of adultery, of stealing, of drunkenness. In fact, he will be a shining light of outward religious observance and yet will revel in destroying the character of others. It doesn't matter how often we come to church or how much we give in, in, in the offering or the tithe or how much of the Bible we know or how many good things even that we do. If our tongue is uncontrolled, we're simply deceiving ourselves, and our religion is worthless. Worthless means no value. Our religion has no value if our tongue is uncontrolled. Now, how many of you have heard it said that actions speak louder than words? Anybody? Uh, but what the Bible is telling us here is that when it comes to our faith, our actions and words need to align. Okay? They need to come together. And in fact, words and actions are the same thing. Speaking is an action. Writing is an action. The words that come out of our mouths speak volumes about our faith. And in fact, so often words hurt us in ways that actions never could. John MacArthur also wrote, he said that nowhere in the relationship between faith is the relationship between faith and works more evident than in a person's speech. What you are will inevitably be disclosed by what you say. It might be said that a person's speech is a reliable measure of his spiritual temperature, a monitor of the inner human condition. And, and, it, and so often even it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. Uh, scripture talks about speaking the truth in love. And when you're defending your faith, to speak to somebody with gentleness and respect. So it's not even just our words, but it can be our tone and the way in which we speak to others. And what we are will be disclosed by what we say. Your words aren't the cause, but they are an effect of what's going on on the inside. Charles Spurgeon said that he who speaks with an ill tongue about his neighbor has an ill heart. Rest assured of that. So I can do all the right things, but the way that I talk to my neighbor, the way that I talk to my spouse, the way that I talk to my kids, the way that I talk to my friends exposes my heart. It's a spiritual thermometer. It's a picture window. It tells on the soul. There's a story about a, a, a work day and a pastor that was at a work day and he was walking around with a hammer. 
And he was at this church work day, and they were going off and doing some things. And he noticed after a little while that there was one of the fellow church members was just following him around, watching what he was doing. And after a while, I turned and said to him, you know, what are you doing? He said, well, I just want to see what happens when you hit your thumb with that hammer. I want to see what you say compared to what I say uh, when you hit your thumb with that hammer, right? Inevitably, our words will reveal who we are. Second thing is that the tongue is a powerful yet tiny tool. It's a tongue, it's a powerful but tiny tool. It has an enormous potential for good or for harm. Washington Irving said that a sharp tongue is the only edged tool that grows keener with constant use. See, James remarks on the smallness of the tongue and he compares it to three things. He says that one, it's a bit in a horse's mouth, a bit in a horse's mouth, a rudder of a ship, or it's like a spark that starts a fire. You know, a small bit can make a thousand pound animal do whatever you want to with the slightest movements. The rudder is just a, a small piece of wood on the back of the ship that, that, that tells the ship where to go. We've been watching Moana. Anybody have seen Moana? handful of you, um, the latest Disney princess, Polynesian, uh, and, and they take these canoes out and they sail across the sea and she, they've got a little rudder in the back, just little one-man ships. Okay. Or a forest fire can be started by the smallest spark. The smallest little spark can start, it can set an entire forest ablaze. You know, you've probably heard the popular phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will put me in therapy for the rest of my life, right? <laughs> Have you heard that before? Um, they ought to change it to that, right? Because names hurt, and words hurt, and they do so much damage. And the reason why they do so much damage is because they, they leave wounds which we can't see. They leave wounds which are invisible. Okay, if Randy and I get into an argument in the, in the church office and he takes off his belt and beats me with it, um, I, can, I can go and show you the scars that, that were left on me. Okay, they're on my back, so you can't see it right now. But, um. <laughs> but if we get into a heated discussion and we start calling each other names, well, then we can actually start to do damage that we don't even see. We so often don't realize the effects that our words have on others. In the tongue, what, what, what James is telling us here, it's, it's a small but powerful tool. Think of it like a firearm. You would never give a loaded weapon to somebody that had no training with that weapon or that their only exposure to it was what they saw on television. They had no idea how it worked or how it functioned. You would just never do that. You know, what do you teach somebody? You teach them how to respect it. You teach them how it works. You teach them the damage that it can do. Even though it is tiny, it is powerful. And the same is true with our words. Psalm 57, 4 says that my tongue, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose sharp teeth, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. See, words can be like swords and spears and arrows. These are weapons, some which work from close up and some which actually work from far away. It can wreak great damage. To its victims. And our words have an enormous amount of power, both in what we say, but we also have to add this now, don't we? Um, not just what we say, but what we write, what we text, what we type, what we post, what we tweet. Words have an enormous amount of power. 
And sadly, it's what happens is that people say things on their phone or on their computer that they would never say to another person if they're speaking face-to-face. There's a story recently about a, a local real estate agent that has been battling for years the rumors that someone has put on the Internet about her. And, and this person came out and actually said, I made the entire thing up. Okay, I fabricated this, this whole story. And yet, because it's out online... She can't get rid of it. If you search her name, it's the first thing you find. Once it's out, it's out. It's like the tube of toothpaste, right? Whether you squeeze it or whether you roll it, um, there's, there's a right way to do toothpaste, but it's not an essential, um, so we're not going to talk about it. But whatever your technique is of getting the toothpaste out of the tube, once it's out, it's not going back in. So often, those are our words, and it doesn't matter whether we say them or speak them, uh, whether we write them or type them or post them or tweet them or text them or message them uh, or chat them, whatever it is that we do with our words, once they're out, they're out. And the words that we hear, they stick with us. They really do. They stick with us. They leave lasting impressions. And, And again, it's amazing how many times we say things and we don't realize the effect that it had on someone. But if you share a word of encouragement with someone that's going through a really difficult time, that word sticks with them. I've had people come up to me years after the fact and say, thank you so much for for what you said to me. And I always look at them and say, are you sure you're talking to the right person? Because to me, it might have been just a passing comment or, or some small remark, and to them, it was everything. Conversely, if you use your words to maim or attack or condemn someone who is vulnerable, they remember. You know, words are so powerful. And we've been taking these mission trips to the Dominican Republic since 2008. We first started, we, we started with a small group of, of high school and college students. Okay? Um, and, and we took some really great uh, students. They, they had great hearts. They were, they were awesome. Um, but the one kind of defining characteristic, if I had to say, is that we had a lot of really witty, sarcastic people that went with us, okay? Um, really, I mean, hilarious, funny people. But everything was sarcasm. Uh, in, in, in a mission setting, uh, on, a, on a week-long mission trip, I always divide everything up, like, in half. Okay, so, so on Wednesday... Wednesday is always the day, if you leave on a Saturday and come back on the following Saturday, Wednesday is the day when everything starts to get to you. You've been surrounded by poverty, you've been dealing with being away from home, uh, you're missing your family, maybe you're not feeling great on the inside. And so on Wednesday, you start to feel kind of miserable. And those same sarcastic words that you would have laughed at on Monday, all of a sudden, they don't feel so good anymore. And you start to take offense, and you start to get injured by these same things that, that someone else just meant as a silly joke. And the thing about our words is, it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't matter how we intend them to come across, does it? It really only matters how they're perceived, how they're received by the person that receives them. And my joke used to be for myself that my spiritual language, my spiritual, my, my, that my love language was sarcasm. Okay, that means that if I was making a joke or, or laughing at you, that, mean that, that meant that I care about you, right? Uh, well, you know what? Sarcasm isn't love. I found this out later. Uh, it's, <laughs> sarcasm is not a love language, right? In, in, in fact, so often the, the, the things that I would say to people were being taken um, not very well, right? I don't joke about that anymore. It doesn't matter how I intended my words to come across, but it mattered how they were received. 
And, and so many times, uh, too many times I've said something that was supposed to be funny and yet it was taken as, as cruel. Have you ever tried to apologize to somebody by saying, I'm sorry that you were offended? Or I'm sorry that you were so sensitive? Or I'm sorry that your feelings were hurt? Has someone ever apologized to you by saying that? That's not really an apology, is it? How about, I'm sorry that I hurt you with my words? You know, as parents, we take, we take great pride in the compliments that our kids receive, or even the times when we catch them doing something good for someone else or, or saying a kind word to someone else. But, but conversely, we, it, it, it pains us when we see someone that's been calling our child names or if we see that our child has been picking on someone else with their words. You know, words have an enormous amount of power. They have power to, to, to make someone brim with confidence or to shatter them in sorrow. The third thing to know about the tongue is that the tongue is wild. It is humanly uncontrollable. That's what we read here in James. It is unable to be tamed in our own power. And as I said, this is the reason why I feel completely inadequate to be, to be sharing this message today. Now, I know that I have said many things uh, over the years uh, and over the weeks, over the days, um, that have been wild and uncontrolled. James 3.8, we read it already. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So I read that and I go, I know, right? I get that. So often I feel completely powerless over my own words. And, and, and it's like sometimes you say something in the heat of the moment and words come out and you almost want to just grab it, right, and put it back in. And yet we can't do that. And, and there's actually some reasons for this. Uh, there's there's, there's some, some explanations for why our tongue is, is uncontrollable. We have, there's physical, spiritual, and emotional reasons for this. And we notice it with our girls all the time. You know, how many of you guys have seen this Snickers commercial that you're not you when you're hungry? Okay, you, you have the people that are out there playing football with Betty White, and she goes out to catch a pass, and the guy comes up and just creams her, right? And then the girl comes out and gives her a Snickers bar, and she turns back into Mike, and she's playing football again, right? What happened to her? Well, she was hungry. It's amazing, having little kids, how true that is. How, how our sweet little angels can turn into demons just because they're hungry. And the words that come out of their mouth are just unbelievable. I hate you. I'm never coming back again. I can't stay. You know, and, and, and then you give them a, a piece of fruit. And, and all of a sudden they turn back into sweet little angels again, right? But so often being hungry or tired can affect the words that come out of our mouth. And it's just an, just an example of how hard it is to control what we say. James said we can tame animals. We can tame lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Or dolphins and whales and elephants. But we can't tame the tongue. And there's some emotional reasons as well. It's almost a cliche at this point. But, but hurting people, what do they do? They hurt people, okay? And so often we can look at people that use their words as weapons and we see back in their lives the same things that they said had been said to them. So many of us carry around baggage from eons ago or maybe something happened to us when we were younger. Maybe uh, this is always the great line. I'm, you know, when I get older, I'm never going to do that to somebody else. And it, it never works. 
If we were the victims of hurtful words, then oftentimes we will use them um, as weapons ourselves. It doesn't excuse this behavior, but it just kind of explains it a little bit. Um, And, of course, there's the spiritual side. Again, James says our tongue is set on fire by hell. It's set on fire by hell, by Satan. And and who is Satan? Well, he's the master of lies. Uh, He lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. He lied to Jesus during uh, his time in the wilderness. He loves to see division and strife caused by harmful words. And again, they're so easy to say, and yet the damage can be so hard to undo. And so it can feel like, well, I already have a difficult time controlling what I say, and now there's these other factors working against me. What can I do? Well, some people tell us to look for the goodness on the inside. That if we want to be a better person, that we've just got to find that good person inside of us and help them to come out. Um, Jesus has some words about that. In Matthew chapter 15, he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. So what Jesus is telling us is that there's not a good me inside of me waiting to come out. The only thing inside of me is more evil. My true nature is not sensitive and caring and loving and full of kind words. My true nature is exposed by the things that I say. It's selfish and deceitful and wicked. Again, in Matthew 12, Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Every careless word they speak. We can add post and email and type and text. Every careless word. So what can be done? Right? What can I do? In a word, nothing. You know, just go home. Um, that's it. No, if, if I'm struggling with my words, whether they're things that I say or the words that I write, the things that I post or type, I need to understand that I'm powerless myself to change them. If I'm not a Christian, I need the power of God in my life, not just to help me to change my words, but to forgive me for my words. I need Jesus Christ help me to change. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 has this vision where he suddenly finds himself in the throne room of God. And he's struck with fear and and he confesses, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And an angel grabs the coal from the altar. He touches it to Isaiah's lips. And in in this astonishing act of grace, he says, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. There's something that can take away our guilt. There's someone who can atone for our sin, and it's better than a hot coal, right? It's it's the Son of God. It's Jesus. By his sacrificial death on the cross, we don't have to live in fear or guilt or shame of every single careless word that we've uttered. We won't be called into account on all those hasty and harsh and harmful things that we've said. Instead, we're offered through his perfection to be made clean and pure, and not just our lips, but all of us, every part of us, will be cleansed by Jesus Christ. 
You know, but saying a prayer and being, and being a Christian doesn't automatically clean up my words. And, and I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but some of the people with the filthiest mouths I know are Christians. Some of them are even pastors. But if I'm a Christian and I, I'm saying this morning, and I'm not talking about Randy here, by the way, sorry, um, <laughs> that my words are hateful or, or, or I can't control my speech or, or the things that I write are harmful, they're, they're harsh, they're mean-spirited, they're critical, and they only tear people down, that I need to remember that I'm not acting like Jesus when I do that. I'm not living as a Christian. I've got to pray and seek God's power, his grace to help me address my own worst enemy. Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And as we read that, we kind of go, wow, I do. I need a guard. I need a watch. I need someone who will help to guard my mouth. This brings us all to the greatest word ever spoken. Uh, Martin Luther wrote the amazing hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And there's a line in there which says, Rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. The him he's talking about is, is, is Satan, is sin. And, and if we look um, to the cross, we see that Jesus on the cross, as he's about to give up his spirit, he, he, he makes this, this, his final cry is, It is finished. It's a little bit of Greek that I do know, okay? Teleo is one word. One little Greek word. It is finished. It is done. It is accomplished. And then he gave up his spirit. Satan was defeated. Sin was conquered. One little word brought us from death to life. That's the power of a word. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, it is, it is us who should be coming to you saying, Father, forgive us for, for I am a man of unclean lips and dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. Father, forgive us for the, the times that we speak and we don't realize what we say. For those things which have caused harm, uh, Lord, for those things which have done damage. Uh, Father, we do need to ask forgiveness from others, but Lord, most importantly, we need to ask for your forgiveness. For, for with our mouths we praise you, and with our mouths we've cursed your creation, created in the image of God. So Father, open our eyes and open our ears to the words that we say, that they may be pleasing to you, that you would set a guard over our lips, that we might... In everything that we say or do or write or post, bring glory to your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.